Swanson to first. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. The Jason Witten of episodes, or for Windsor Local Flavor, the Luke Wilson episode, episode 82 of For Future Considerations, here on your favorite podcast channels across North America, Russia, and we're huge in the Ivory Coast as well. Matt, John, Manny, boys, great to see you again. How was everybody's weekend? Great. We got a ton of snow up here, so I had to get up and uh, shovel on Tuesday morning. I was... Really, really miserable about it, but uh, you know me. Wow. No snow down here, but I've got a ton of leaves in my yard. Uh-huh. And I have no ambition to do anything about it. <laughs> Is the pool but, still open? Yeah, I still can't get the cover in. <laughs> so the as, as with everything, if you try to get something, uh, this year everything is back-ordered. Because of supply and demand issues, getting a cover for my pool, which was only installed at the end of September, uh, has been a long process. Granted, nobody is swimming in the pool because the water's ice cold, but it's still open if you want to go for a dip. <laughs> I, I th- we're talking great cup party and somebody's somebody's going to do it. Someone's going to have to do it. <laughs> Oh, seriously? You actually think the Alouettes are going to make it to the Grey Cup? I don't really think they're going to make it to the Grey Cup. They're going to cruise to the Grey Cup. They lost to Ottawa last week. Yeah, because they didn't even have... It didn't even matter. Hamilton was locked up. They're fine. Like, this is... Don't worry about... Don't worry about it. Worry about the Winnipeg Blue Mobbers. Worry about your boys who haven't played in about 83 days. Or 82 days be episode 82. Do I look worried? I don't look worried. <laughs> look, all I know is I'm going to sit down on Saturday. I'm going to tell my kids to get lost for a little bit. And I'm going <laughs> to... Sit down and watch William Stein stand back and Eugene Lewis, just like the greatest show on turf, go walking into Hamilton, strutting, and walk out of there with a win. And then they're on to play in the Argos. The Argos, it's just going to be, uh, that, that's like uh, getting a bye. And uh, and they're in, they're in the Grey Cup before you know it. Right back to Hamilton. Everybody that uh, was in Hamilton was like, you know what, this is a pretty good team. I'm going to cheer for these guys. Screw these these Winnipeggers or whatever you want to call them out there. They, they, don't, uh, they don't know what true football is like. And, uh, and Montreal is going to win the Grey Cup 34-6. to You just wish you had Rashid Bailey and Zach Caleros. Like... Come on, stop I'm not, already. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about them. They're not going to be there. We'll be waiting for you. We'll be waiting for you in the Grey Cup. I don't know if you guys are going to be there. Sure, sure, sure. Hey, just like you were good with your end-of-season baseball awards predictions, right? Did you, was, did you review seven your picks? You weren't seven of eight. Were you seven of eight? Absolutely, I was. The only one I got wrong was the, the Rookie of the Year in the National League for the Cincinnati Reds. And the only one I got wrong was because you guys went with boring Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays, and I went with the most exciting manager. John, how did you do? Um, did I even predict all of them? I don't even think I... <laughs> John was just kind of throwing them in whenever he felt like it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, and our special baseball insider was pretty upset that Bryce Harper won the NL. MVPs. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to him yet. I'll give him a few days. He still thinks it's Monday. Don't worry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk some baseball again on this show as well as some football. And we have another edition of Pump It or Dump It. But let's start with some hockey. We're six weeks into the NHL season. Which teams have been a surprise for you, good and bad? Well, for me, uh, the the team that stands out uh, in in the National League, and, I, and I've always liked um, this 
the idea of this team being good. This is a team that I've always thought is kind of just sat in the middle, uh, not really gotten too much going. And it's interesting that uh, they are where they are right now after making big headlines in the offseason, releasing two longtime players and, and big-time players in their, their time in Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. I really liked what the Minnesota Wild are doing. I think they've been really strong this year, um, leading that division right now. I don't see that being a team that's going to fall off too much the way that they're playing. And I think they're actually, for the first time in, in a long time, we can say that if ever, I think they're actually a pretty entertaining team to watch. Well, I was a pessimist about the Vancouver Canucks, so that does not surprise me at all. I said they were going to be bad, and they are. I'm actually surprised the Kraken are so bad. I thought the Kraken would be maybe slightly below the middle of the conference in the West, but um, they have been really, really poor. Yeah, five wins in 18 games for Seattle. Not the greatest start, especially after what Vegas did, but I think we all can all agree what Vegas did as an expansion club was an anomaly, really, not not the norm, uh, especially with regards to to um, expansion clubs. I, I didn't think the Calgary Flames were going to be this good, guys. 11 wins in 19 games, that's pretty impressive. Their plus-minus goal differential is plus 27, which yeah, is... That's am- what jumps out at me yeah. is the 27. Yeah, that's among the best in the entire NHL, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and then the other team that really stands out for the good, the Florida Panthers, especially considering their loss, Joel Quenville, and everybody thought they were going to fall off a cliff, yet they're performing at a really high level and continue to lead the Eastern Atlantic Division. Uh, I think from a bad point of view, you know, nobody expected the Montreal Canadiens to be this poor, especially without Carey Price and Shea Weber. Yes, those are two huge cogs in that wheel, but I thought people, including yours truly, could put up more than five wins in 20 games. And then the other big shocker for me, the Islanders. They Mm. have five wins in 15 games. That doesn't look good at all. No, Islanders have a, a, a tough stretch with the arena and all that. And they, keep in mind that they've played 15 games. They've only played two home games this year. They've lost both of them. They're on a six-game slide right now at the time that we record this. But that's a tough start. I mean, they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. They're they're going to be one of those great stories as they go through the year and just start to climb and put everything together. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be a great rise. But but really, they're they're putting themselves in a in a pretty tough spot. You know, you look at the the NHL the way it is, and it's so early to do the good and bad just like we we say every week i mean they're they're disappointing where they are right now they're eight points out of a playoff spot i mean that's you know that's a good couple of weeks uh, turning around uh, a bad couple of weeks so uh they're um they're certainly going to uh to improve and and they will be winning the stanley cup this year so sure be fun. sure sure Sure, sure. And because the world always revolves around the Toronto Maple Leafs, what did you guys? What do you guys think of where they are so far? Eight, uh, eight, two and zero oh in their last ten as we record this. It's where they're supposed to be, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised. I'm not disappointed. I'm not expecting more. Like that, this is where they're supposed to be. This is the team that that's been built. You decided to keep this team together uh, to to try to have you know one more run or two more runs or whatever it's going to be. Um, I don't think it really matters that they're sitting where they are right now. I don't think their hot streak matters really right now. But they're thereabouts where they're supposed to be at this point for me. Yeah, they're supposed to be challenging for first in the division, and that's what they're doing right now. Many people thought it'd be maybe Tampa Bay or Boston at the top spot, and not Florida. But the Leafs are where they thought, where we thought they would be. And there are some GMs already on the hot seat, and most of them are in Canada. Uh, which general manager has more pressure on them? Do you think Jim Benning, Kyle Dubas, or uh, Mark Bergevin? You know, you would expect me to say Bergevin, but his contract is done at the end of the year. It's the other two guys that you mentioned, Dubas and Benning, that are still under contract when the season comes to an end and could lose their jobs. Quite frankly, John, I'm surprised Jim Benning still has a job. Uh, I think he should have been let go after letting Tyler Toffoli go last year in the bubble. Uh, But yet he was giving another year to try to make it right, and he handed out some contracts, and they're still not performing at the level. But I would say it's Kyle Dubas. He went all in with his core and said, I still believe in this core. And while, yeah, they're battling for first in the division right now, if they don't perform come playoff time, 
I think he's going to be on a very hot seat. That's just the position that he's in. I think Kyle Dubas is always going to have the most pressure. Whatever person is sitting in that seat is always going to have the pressure. But yeah, I mean, this is really, in reality, this should be the best Toronto Maple Leafs team we've seen in 25 years. Um, we've been waiting to see that for the last two years, and that's just from marquee names, from the, the exceptional talents that Matthews and Marner and, and Riley and, and those guys are. Um, I don't know how much longer this this lasts if, if for whatever reason the Leafs, I mean, if they get, don't get out of the first round again, it's time to start talking about moving this team. But if if they get to the second round, if they get to the conference finals and lose, I mean, what's the what's going to be considered a good season with the team that uh, that they've got around? Uh, so that's going to be uh, that to me is always always going to be the most pressure job. With Jim Benning, did you guys see the picture where the fan managed to sneak in the sign and put it right up against the glass? Thank you, Jim. Yeah, you shared that with us. I thought that was fantastic. (laughs) And uh, I guess that's been trending all over Vancouver. That's become a big catchphrase for everybody who wants to see him gone. So we'll see how that progresses. To give some love to a a previous guest that we had, Tony Ferrari, um, did a great uh, in-depth look at Jim Benning and his draft history uh, over the last, uh, I guess, would open of really is over his tenure um, for the hockey news, so that's worth finding if you do follow Tony um, and give him a, a plug there. It's a, it's a real good piece, but um, the pressure is always going to be on Kyle Dubas for me. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. My God. And now it's time for our play of the week, picked by you, our listeners and social media followers. And once again, we had some good options. And once again, Connor McDavid takes the cake. Here's McDavid, Benjamin, shoots and scores! He's done it again! Coast to coast, and this game is tied! Just days after going through the entire New York Rangers team to score an unbelievable goal, he did it again, this time against the Winnipeg Jets, and you picked it as our play of the week. This guy's done it not once, but twice now? Yeah. In two weeks? This is unbelievable, this guy. Soon enough, if he keeps this up, he might be as big as soccer on our feed, on our social media feed. I tell you, <laughs> this guy's getting, he's starting to get a name for himself on the uh, at for podcast FFC. You just hate that soccer just blows up when we post something on social media. I'm still getting notifications from that one goal that happened, I think it was six months ago now. (laughs) My phone's still going off for that thing. Like, the way McDavid performs at top speed, the way he can control the puck, the way he can not lose an edge, and then still finish. Yeah. It is remarkable. We saw it in the Ontario Hockey League, and I know we talked about it back then when he can just do everything at such a top speed, and the way he can do it against other professional players is remarkable. Yeah, the the, the speed and the way he does it, 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 we've never seen this before. I thought maybe this goal wasn't quite as pretty as the one a week ago, though. What did you guys think? Uh, or am I just getting spoiled now? Yeah, John, easy. Yeah. Easy, buddy. Did you not vote for it, John? No, I liked the uh, University of Michigan, the trick play. That, the was, play. Okay. that was a great play. That, that was, was a good play. play. The lateral. The only reason I didn't vote for uh, McDavid is because it was so similar to the one the week before. And so I thought, you can't give it to him two in a row. But uh, I, what, guess I, I guess I'm in the minority there. What about the UCLA QB who hurdled the yeah. defender? That's a big dude, too. Yeah. He's, 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 not, uh, he's not Doug Flutie out there. That's a big guy. <laughs> and he landed on his feet. Like, he hurdled the guy and landed on his feet. He didn't, like, hurdle him in somersault. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I watched it again just to make sure, and he didn't go, like, over part of him. He went right over the entire body. Yeah, <laughs> That was yeah, pretty that remarkable. Was impressive. Yeah, our play of the week is brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And if you want to be part of the madness that is the play of the week, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, Podcast FFC. We'll post the video Monday. You'll get a chance to to vote on it. Pick which one you like. Let us know. Pick the options. Comment on it. If there's a play we missed, let us know about that too. We do accept write-in ballots. Uh, If... (laughs) 
if, if it gets to that. Uh, and then we reveal the uh, the winners, obviously, on, on this week's show. show. Only if it's soccer. <laughs> and so we've had uh, McDavid winning twice recently. And speaking of him, John Tortorella recently called him out on ESPN. He complained about it a little bit. He wasn't getting the calls. I, I you know, quite honestly, and I, I hope I say it correctly, just shut up. Yeah. Don't talk about it. I do think he has to change his game a bit. Uh, not not turn into a checker, obviously. But right. He's talked about culture. He's talked about standard. He's talked about winning. You're you're not going to outscore. You're not just going to fill the net during playoffs and outscore teams. Mm-hmm. You have to play on the other side of the puck. You have to have uh, that business type attitude of you're not. You, nothing's going to bother me, no matter how you how you're going to check me. Don't talk about it. Just play hard. Play through it. But the other side of the puck is that important too. Come playoff time. Towards telling McDavid to just shut up when complaining about not getting calls and looking to change his game to achieve Stanley Cup success. What do you guys think of his comments? I don't know if this is just Torts trying to build up an audience on ESPN or not. Um, but I don't agree with it whatsoever. He doesn't need to change his game at all. He is the best player on the planet. If anything, the Edmonton Oilers need to surround himself with better players. Like, maybe Torts misspoke about the just shut up part, about complaining about not getting the calls, which he has a legit reason to complain about. He's got the puck on his stick 70% of the game and gets maybe 18% of the calls in the entire league. Like, that's just remarkable to me. But, you know what, maybe it's... Maybe maybe it's just, hey, as a coach, I will complain about it. You just focus on playing and, and don't talk about it. Maybe that's what he was trying to get at. I'm trying to give towards the benefit of the doubt. But he doesn't need to change his game. The Oilers need to surround himself with better talent. I look at Gretzky. It took him five years to win a cup. I look at Mario. It took him seven years to win a cup. Ovi, it took him 13 years to win a cup. And that's when Washington was able to surround Ovechkin with better talent. Like Sidney Crosby, it took four years, but he already had a pretty good core in that Pittsburgh when he won the Cup. I think it's more about insulating your star forward with other role players, other players that can complement him. For me with Tortorella, I don't know, it's just wearing thin. I sometimes wonder if he actually even believes the things he says or if he talks just to talk and create controversy. And so I really don't put a lot of stock into anything Tortorella says anymore. I'm going to go the other way with this, guys. Uh, I I don't mind the comments at all. Um, you know, I, I think whether he was able to, to translate it or, or not, the way that he was thinking, uh, the just shut up about the complaining about calls and stuff like that, and some of the footage that they showed in the highlights of him skating over to the referees and and kind of pleading his case and stuff. And you know, th- yes, if you've got your puck, the puck on your stick all the time, you are going to draw penalties for sure. You're going to put guys in very uncomfortable positions uh, as a player like Connor McDavid that no one else has really played against. I mean, you're some of these highlights we're seeing; these guys aren't even getting hands on him. So they're, they don't know how to play against Connor McDavid. So yeah, he should be drawing some more penalties. I will agree with that. The takeaway for, for me from these comments is the way that he talks about the playoffs. You're not going to outscore teams. You are just not. You have to be responsible in both ends of the the ice when you're in the playoffs. That is not just Connor McDavid. That is everybody on the team. And and I agree. Connor McDavid does not have the skill around him, and the Oilers are not deep enough to win a Stanley Cup. But is that not something that Connor McDavid has to put on in his own game as well. We're not going to be a team that wins 6-5 games in the playoffs. Those games don't exist. If he has to pull back a little bit, if he has to worry a little bit more about his, about the de- defensive zone, if the power plays are going to come, if he is the one that's going to be out there obviously on PP1 and, and is going to be that player that's going to be there for every crucial situation, absolutely. And that's, again, not necessarily his fault. But I agree with the thinking that he has to add some more of a defensive component. That's probably because we see all these highlight reel goals all the time. I can't honestly tell you if he's a great player in his own zone. He doesn't spend a lot of time there. But I can tell you in the playoffs, you 
don't win 6-5. The Oilers are not built to win a 2-1 game. But imagine if they were and Connor McDavid was still on that team as well. I mean, those 2-1 games are almost always going to go in that favor. I didn't mind the comments at all. Like, I look at his face-off stats, for example, over the years. He's gone from 41% to 46 to 48 to 49 to 56 this season. I see him improving. I think it's more so, who are you surrounding your superstar with? Like, Gretzky wasn't winning cups until they they had Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier and guys like Dave Semenko, for Pete's sake, to surround himself with. Now to baseball. Wander Franco is about to hit it rich. The 20-year-old shortstop is about to sign a 12-year extension with the Tampa Bay Rays that guarantees him around $185 million, and the deal could be worth a maximum of $223 million. What do you guys think of the contract? This really surprises me. This really surprises me from the Tampa Bay Rays for any number of reasons. I've always liked the Rays because in that division, they are the the little guy, the little engine that could. They don't spend a ton of money. They don't have a ton of money for their payroll. They always end up finding these guys in the Mexican League somewhere, and they end up being superstars. You know, they're, they're built on pitching. This kid is a generational talent. Well, let's hope. He's a very good player. He was played 70 games and was up for American League Rookie of the Year and, and got some votes for that uh, as well. What I don't understand is the a few things. The urgency number one. He's not arbitration eligible until 2025. He's not a free agent until 2028. I don't know why the the Rays feel the need to have to pay this guy that much right now when he legitimately cannot go anywhere. Number two, it seems like Tampa Bay has a few more problems to deal with right now as to like where they're going to play as opposed to who's going to be at shortstop or second base or wherever Wando Franco ends up playing his, his major league career. I'm interested to know if there's any sort of a caveat to his contract. He's got some buyouts, but if this team ends up moving to Montreal in three years, he's got nine years that he's signed up for, for potentially a market he has nothing, no interest in being a part of. That, to me, is a surprise that he would sign that deal with a team that's so volatile. So I really don't get this deal at all, guys. Do you think this is a pressure play to try and get a new building in Tampa? Here we have a player that we've locked up who we think is going to be a superstar for years to come. Now you got to give us a building or we're leaving? Uh, I mean, possibly. I I mean, uh, to me, it's, yeah, if, that, if, that's the, if that's the spin, sure. If the spin is this team doesn't spend money to attract people here, uh, they're just trying to find guys in, in AA and developing them, and it's not sexy, you know, maybe, um, sure. But, I mean, you go through some of the guys that the, that the Rays have had in their organization that they've let go because they couldn't afford them. And the, like, what is Wander Franco compared to, to some of these other guys? And, and why now? I, I I don't see the connection there, but uh, it, to, to me, this this deal doesn't make sense in the sense that it didn't really have to happen in, a, in the next 10 years. I hear your points, guys, but I think the, the biggest factor is, is that he was already a Rookie of the Year nominee after only 70 games, hitting 288 with seven home runs and 39 RBIs. And I think the Tampa Bay Rays looked at the cost of other star shortstops i.e. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Javier Baez, and what those guys are going to be paid. Like Correa is talking about a $300 million contract right now. I think they're looking at that going, well, let's get in at the bargain basement price of $183 million, and we've got them locked up for the next 12 years. I think that's what they're thinking is... The price of shortstops is going sky high. We really like the guy we got. Let's sign him for the next 12 years at a better price than $300 million. You know what happens. He blows out his knee next year, and that's the end of that. That's the way things go with this team. A hundred percent. 
yeah, you got to run that risk, and and he's the talent to do it. Sure, and that that makes sense. But like, even you know, and I agree with you that if you're going to look at the comparables of what Carlos Correa is going to get compared to what Wander Franco is going to be paid in 2028, sure that that that's comparable and that makes a ton of sense. But Wander Franco couldn't even debate his salary for the next four years. So like he's got seventy games under his belt. Like let's, I, everybody is always always very excited about the next guy. I'm always been let's pump the brakes here. Let's let's relax here. We had seventy games in the major leagues, and you just gave him twelve years. When you have three more seasons of player and team or team control before you even have to go to arbitration, the team's not going in with an arbitration saying. I'll give you two, and he says, I want 40, and, and he wins 30. Uh, arbitration is not even going to be close to what he'd be valued at when he goes through arbitration. Like this, this contract is six years from really having to happen. In six years, though, it's going to be $400 million. Have you not seen the price of gas? Have you not seen the cost of a coffee? It's, it's going up. Inflation is kicking my butt, boys. Like... And I think baseball teams like Tampa Bay have seen that. I, I I think that's what this is all about. And you're right; he could blow out his knee, and that's the risk you take. But yeah, I think I think Tampa Bay is banking on this one being a long term success story. And speaking of contracts, you guys talked about the Detroit Tigers offseason in last week's episode, and you talked about Justin Verlander hopefully coming back to the Motor City. While he's staying in Houston after signing a one-year $25 million deal with the Astros, are you guys disappointed? Yeah, I'm disappointed. I really thought he would be able to help the young guys. Manning in particular, Mize and Scooble, look like they're well on their way. I think they needed another veteran. A veteran who has been in Detroit, understands the market, understands what fans want, understands what pitching at Comerica means, understands how to pitch at Comerica, which is a different ballpark compared to other ballparks. Um, After getting Erod, I sort of talked about it in our last episode, what's the next move? That move for Erod only makes sense if they can get a JV and a star shortstop and maybe a corner outfielder. They missed on JV. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed from a nostalgia standpoint. Um, that was always where where I came from with that. I'd, I'd have liked them to sign him for sure, um, just for the idea of the storyline of bringing him back and, and him being part of that run for sure. Uh, you know, this is a one-year deal. It's a show-me deal. Uh, he's, I'm sure fine in, in Houston and is, and is living the life there. Like If you don't want to come, bud, you don't want to come. We're going to find somebody better. We're going to be just fine. You're going to be 39 years old. Enjoy. Good. I hope he, I hope he plays well. I, I don't think Houston is going to be very good next year. Ultimately, it's a one-year deal. Very well could be having this conversation again next year. I'm not worried about him. Look at Matt pumping the brakes again. I'm gonna. We're gonna get him a T-shirt. Brake pumper. I would have loved to have had him. I love to have Justin Verlander back. Look, you don't want to come back, but forget it. I don't care. Go away. That I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> if you don't want to be part of this, if you don't want to, if like it was very very early too, and that's that's been the other thing with the free agent market, and then what I've liked about what the Tigers have done. Tucker Barnhart right away. Erod right away. JV went back to Houston right away. That means he wasn't that interested. So forget it. I don't care. One day, oh yeah, it's going to be great. He's coming. It's awesome. Next day, fine. Get out of my face. Yeah, man. If, get you know, out. If he, if he comes, it's awesome. If he doesn't come, I don't care, man. I don't care about you anymore. You're not on this team. I don't care. <laughs> Why would I? Why would I be worried about what Justin Verlander? If Justin Verlander does not want to be a Tiger, and I only care oh. about following the Tigers, I don't care about you. Go away, then. Yeah, I I totally agree. I'm still disappointed about it. Sure, I, I, so am I. I I mean, again, you, if you were to blindly put his story for the last three years in front of you, say, would you want to invest any money in this guy? The answer is absolutely not. Right. You reveal the name and it's Justin Verlander. Get him back here right now. We need to have Verlander back. It would be unbelievable. I'd have bought my opening day tickets already. I'm not even sure if we could cross at that point. 
But is he really like if you were to take the name off the, the name played off? Is he really worth the investment of a one year twenty five million dollar deal for a team that's not going to be in contention next year? He's not. It's not worth it. We also got a few emails and messages about the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot for 2022. 13 players have been added to the list, and Rob, Steve, and Jonathan all want to know who's on your ballot, but I'm going to cheat a little bit and say I am really glad this is the final year for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and we can finally get them off the list. So, John, are they going in on your ballot? Not a chance. We got three people. We got three people asking about the Hall of Fame. That's pretty good. That's all everybody wants to talk about. That's pretty good. Who's on your ballot, Matt? So when you fill out the ballot, and I was trying to fill out the ballot as similarly as as uh, the writers can. So they can pick up to 10 people. That's the max that you can. Welcome to the parties. The first ballot, the guys that are, are debuting on the list... Carl Crawford, Prince Fielder, Ryan Howard, Tim Lincecum, Justin Morneau, Joe Nathan, Jonathan Papelbon, Jake Peavy, AJ Przinski, Alex Rodriguez, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Teixeira. There's only one guy from the new list that gets a vote for me, and that's David Ortiz. I don't think any of those other guys are first ballot Hall of Famers by any stretch of the imagination. A-Rod? A-Rod, I was just going to say, not even A-Rod. Not in this, not in this world, man. You're part of that. You were the last. You were the last part of it. You he was a he was a PED puppy. Yep. Yes, you were was. the last. You were the last part of it, man. Uh, sorry, it, if you can't, you know, you you're opening, and this is where I'm, I'm going to find it very interesting. You're opening all the worms when he gets in, if he gets in, because he was part of that that whole world too. So, no, first ballot, absolutely not. I look at some of the other guys in here. I have a hard time. And, and I'm really critical with with the Hall of Fame and, and balloting and all that. I really have a hard time voting for anybody else, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we we've covered the Kurt Schilling, the Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Uh, this is their last year. Uh, uh, Sammy Sosa's last year as well. Scott Rowland is the next guy on that list as far as percentages at fifty two point nine percent. You got to get seventy five percent to get in. He's at 59.2. I wouldn't consider Scott Rowland a Hall of Famer. Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent. I'm surprised by Jeff Kent a little bit, but he's in his ninth year, so he's coming up against it too. Manny Ramirez is really low. Andy Pettit, Mark Burley, Tori Hunter, Bobby Abreu, Tim Hudson. None of those guys really do it for me in, in what I would picture to be a Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know what? I had to look at who who got in last year. No one. The answer was no one. So, And I agree with you, Matt. I really have a hard time picking anybody. The only guy on my ballot is Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I know some people may try to lump him in with the others, with the PED scandals. I don't think he's a part of that. I know Commissioner Rob Manfred has said he's not really a part of that. Um, You know... I look at the players who have hit at least 540 home runs, 2,400 hits, and have an OPS over 900. The only other guys to do it besides Big Poppy, Barry Bonds and Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. And they're in the PED scandal. Mm-hmm. So I know Kurt Schilling missed the hall by 16 votes last year. He might get in. He's not getting in on my ballot. The only guy who's getting in are, is Ortiz. Kurt Schilling even told you to not vote for him this year. <laughs> right. He went on He went on his wild rant about that he doesn't want to be part of this group anyways. And the, the Hall of Fame, uh, whoever it is, the, the um, committee that looks at everybody afterwards, they're going to put him in anyways. So those are the real baseball people. He's not worried about the writers. He's the one campaigning to not get any votes. But there's only three guys in this list of players that were at at least 50%. And again, you got to get 75% of the ballots to get into the Hall of Fame. And Kurt Schilling was at 71%. Barry Bonds is at 62 Roger Clemens is about 62 So, like, are they going to make up somewhere between 4 and 8 9% in, in one year, in their last year? I can't imagine it happening. 
And now let's open up the mailbag. Dan in Detroit wanted to ask about the brawl between the Pistons and the Lakers. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Stewart and LeBron. Stewart is hot. And everybody's coming out now. Now this is ridiculous. Yeah, he must have caught an elbow or something, but... Oh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of blood streaming from the side of the eye. Look, here goes Stewart. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a little upset. You've got coaches. You've got security guys. Look at Dwayne Casey's like, just calm down. Isaiah Stewart got an elbow to the face inadvertently from LeBron James, Bullshit. and that caused and that caused a melee in Detroit. With Stewart trying over and over to get to James, I thought he was going to go through the tunnel to get at him. He got a two-game suspension. LeBron got one game. Dan wants to know if you think those suspensions are fair. Suspensions seem low to me. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> a, a guy's trying to run through your team and the referees and the coaches. Not once, not twice, three times, and then he starts running through the halls at the back of the arena. And you get two games for that? Unbelievable. I I was shocked by that. Now, granted, maybe he only got two games because LeBron only got one. And yes, it was an inadvertent elbow. Go ahead, Matt. Say it again. Bullshit! <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, he did cause quite a lot of blood on Stewart's side yeah. of his face. Yeah, I've I've never seen an inadvertent stab wound that create that much blood. So I don't I don't know about inadvertent. Look, all I care this this is just set the table. The bad boys are back. This is the oh, best yeah. four and twelve basketball team I've ever seen. Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, better at lead, be leading uh, the NBA store in in jersey purchases for the next couple of weeks here. I thought that's that's how a man handles uh, LeBron James. Well, you don't worry about LeBron, who that guy is. Who, who's LeBron James? He's with Je- Justin Verlander. I don't know who this guy is. I don't care about you. Isaiah Stewart might be the best Piston of all time. Unbelievable. Was great to see. Charging like a bull. Hey, he's probably on the depth chart for the Lions. He could be playing for the Blue Bombers. They're going to (laughs) be needing this guy to break in tackles. I tell you, we're not going to need him in Montreal with William Stanback, but uh, Winnipeg might need him. This guy was great. It was great sports entertainment. Piston basketball is back the way it's supposed to be. LeBron sucks. The best part about that was the... The fines to the players. Stewart Stewart lost forty five grand yeah. for missing two games. LeBron is losing out on two hundred and eighty four grand on missing one game. Which that's that's like the NFL salary cap versus the CFL salary cap. Oh, which which what's uh, what's hurting more? Isaiah Stewart, the poor guy, probably can't even feed his family. You're taking forty five thousand dollars from him. That's terrible. That's okay. The Pistons said they were going to sell his jersey with blood stains on it. Ah, and, uh, that's that's make... how they should put him in the store. Uh, forget the advertisements exactly. and all the, the logos on there. Just have Isaiah Stewart game used blood. Put that on the auction block. I'll, I'll buy the tile right off of the Little Caesars Arena floor right there. They can make up the forty five grand in Harpy. This is where LeBron James inadvertently split this guy's face open. Are you? And now under rapid fire, where we tried to get Matt and Mandy to answer questions in rapid succession. They're just warming up now, so... Uh, no, just wait till we get heated here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a question from Jordan in St. Louis who says he likes our podcast, but thinks some of our takes are terrible. Screw he you, Jordan! Know- <laughs> yeah, Jordan! <laughs> he wants to know if we're back on the Kansas City Chiefs bandwagon now that they've won four games in a row in the NFL. The NFL sucks. No one's any good. The best team in the AFC lost to, like, the worst team in the AFC. The other team that everybody's so high on lost to the future Super Bowl champion Indianapolis Colts. 
the, the NFL is is all over the place. It is it is not entertaining to see these players, uh, these these top flight players, these top flight teams. Just there's there's one or two or three every week that we have to have this conversation with. Oh, what happened to this team? What happened to this team? I don't think any of these teams are any good. I, I it may become entertaining in the playoffs when anybody can beat anybody because anybody can right now. But it's not even entertaining when you're seeing. Again, the top team in the AFC and like the worst team in the AFC and they get thumped. It's not entertaining. Did you not see the Philadelphia Eagles on the weekend? That was highly entertaining, beating the New Orleans Saints. Did you not see Jonathan Taylor run for five touchdowns against Buffalo? That was highly entertaining. Future Super Bowl champion, I told you that. Listen, it's called parody. Teams... Say it with me. Mock parody. Like, there are teams that are very, very good. There's just more of them. You guys complain when the NBA's got these super teams and beating up on everyone. There's no super team in the NFL, and I'm fine with that. Yes, it hurts my wallet and my betting scores in my betting app, but I am fine with parody, and I am fine for chaos because it's not predictable. You know, it's reality TV. Sports is the best reality TV that's out there. And as far as your question, Jordan, I'm in on the Chiefs. I think their defense is getting a whole lot better. And they're still the AFC champs to be the best. You got to beat the best. Yeah, well, we were just talking about all year long. We've talked about how bad the Chiefs' defense is. Now, all of a sudden, the Chiefs' defense is improving. They figured just it wait out. Till, just they wait till four Sunday. in a row. Just wait till two weeks Sunday night. They're going to be at home. The Denver Broncos are going to smoke these guys like the turkey that Americans are going to be having over Thanksgiving weekend. They're going to destroy them. Then the, the Raiders bet. are going to <laughs> side bet. Let's do I'm it. Done. Side I'm bet. not bet. I'm not spending a cent on the NFL the rest of the year. You're going to lose cent. on the. You're going to lose on the Alouettes against Hamilton this weekend. You're going to lose on the Chiefs and the Broncos. Bring it on. I need. We also have a question. Oops, sorry. I need. He's not done. <laughs> I need to pay for my pool somehow. This is rapid fire, baby. It's rapid fire. Rapid. <laughs> All right, let's rapidly move on to the next question. After how long was that? We have a question from Ken in Mississauga, who's asking for more basketball talk. He wants to know who we think is the early MVP so far in the NBA. Like, you can't disagree with me, Matt. Like, there's only one answer to this. And it's Steph Curry. The Golden State Warriors, 28 points per game, 6 assists, 6 rebounds, 2 steals. He's 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 hitting, you know, unbelievable 41% from 3, which is unbelievable from a stat. There's only one answer to this, and it's Steph Curry. That's a fair response, Manny. I can certainly understand where you're coming from if you're not really digging into the numbers and you're just uh, riding along with uh, with what the, the the league wants you to think and uh, and and feel. Oh my and God, no, no, no. You're, that that's fine. That's fine. I'm looking at look. I, I look at two things uh, in the NBA: the guy who's putting up points and the team's record. That's the only thing that matters in, in the NBA, especially when you've got a guy who is stuck. On a miserable team, maybe the best worst team ever, because of the support and lack of support that's around him. But he's still able to put up the numbers that he does on a consistent basis. Now being alone, it was not his fault to go and build a super team that has fallen in his face. But Isaiah Stewart is the MVP of the NBA <laughs> this year, and I don't care what anybody says because he got in LeBron's face and he, he took that punch and he chased him around the building. That is the man right there. There's game used blood available on eBay for Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> Ken knows the true MVP is Steph Curry Ken in Mississauga knows it's Steph Curry I love that your MVP is on a 14th place team in a conference best 4-12 team in the NBA (laughs) because as we're recording this they've already lost once (laughs) Oh man, that's amazing! I, I, basketball I, is back. Bad boys, let's go. 
Isaiah Stewart. He's averaging seven points per game. Amazing. If you don't like Manny. It's, if you don't character. like this po- if you don't like this podcast for the sports analysis and the stats that we give you, then I don't know where else you're going to get this kind of quality from. All, all I can tell you, you're not going to hear a podcast anywhere. The Isaiah Stewart podcast is not talking about Isaiah Stewart as the MVP, but that's fine. They, they, they want to ride the dark horse. There's 29 other teams in the NBA that would like Steph Curry. There's 29 other teams in the NBA that would like having Isaiah Stewart. That, to me, makes the difference. And it, uh, Steph Curry <laughs> is not going to step up to LeBron. He's afraid of LeBron. Isaiah Stewart's not. Uh, Steph Curry's afraid of no one. That's fine. Look, <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> Rapid fire. <laughs> It is time to kill this segment, my God. <laughs> it's a good segment. Maybe we just got to rename it. Maybe just the... <laughs> the Isaiah Stewart MVP award goes to... <laughs> I like everything about the guy. I just looked him up tonight. I like everything about him. He's from New York, so he's tough. The guy's like 6'8", 250. Like, that's LeBron's size, isn't it? That's LeBron's size. Went to, uh, went to the great University of Washington, historic <laughs> basketball program. Guy's okay, got it all. At least he went to, uh, hey, at least you went to college. <laughs> uh, LeBron is 6'9 and 250. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's fair fight. <laughs> Round one. Ding, ding, ding. Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> Maybe each of them could fight Jake Paul at some point or another. Oh, no. oh maybe you'd Jake watch Paul that. Jake doesn't want that business. Yeah, you'd watch that. <laughs> and uh, we've also received a number of comments about our Pump It or Dump It from last week, where we answered the question, when is it too soon to play Christmas music? And, of course, we all said mid-November was too soon. And all of the male listeners tended to agree, but some of our female listeners did not. Of course, right? Mm-hmm. The women yeah, are I'd... shopping in November. We're shopping December twentieth. Sure, I think if the, if the if it were up to the hey, uh, Amazon Prime man has has changed everything. Well, now we're shopping on December the twentieth. I'm not even panicked because it's showing up December twenty second. I'm good. I got guaranteed shipping. I'm fine. And you don't have to listen to one iota of Christmas music. No, I can sit here and just listen to this crap that we're about to uh, play for Puppet or Dump It. That's a lot better. <laughs> All right, well, Jessica in Bloomfield, Michigan, you know what Matt thinks of your choice already. <laughs> she wants to know if we like this remake. The song is Cold Heart by Elton John and Dua Lipa. So it's kind of a combination of uh, Rocket Man and Sacrifice. So what do you guys think? We know what Matt thinks, but Manny, pump it or dump it. Jessica, I'm sorry. I don't like this song at all. I don't like it. Is this really Elton John singing right now? I'm seeing all the comments on the YouTube video. Oh, he's got a great voice. Uh, what a, you know, one of the greatest voices ever. Is, is this not from like 1986 when he originally recorded it? Has he re-recorded this with her? I don't think because, he's re-recorded it. Has he, John? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think You're so. You're the music no. aficionado, John. I think Dua Lipa just took a bunch of Elton John's clips. Elton John said, sure, I'll uh, I'll make a few extra bucks. Yeah, you want to mix it, whatever. You want to make a cartoon version of me in the video? Go, go right ahead. I don't care. John was spitting knowledge. Yeah, John. Yeah, did you know this, too? It's number one on the dance chart. It's been number one for six weeks on the dance chart. What? You dance yep. to that? I don't. dance to that? I don't. I'm going to have to listen to that again and try to figure out how, how people dance to that. John was spitting knowledge. When was the last time Elton John had a hit song? Yeah, it's been 21 years. Wow. 
Yep, he uh, hit number 49 in 2000. That was the last time he had a hit. So he doesn't care what you do with his voice as long no. as you're making a number one. <laughs> yeah, look, we had uh, we had Post Malone on there making him sound like a chipmunk uh, with his own voice. That one song that we did for Kiefer. You might as well just steal Elton John's voice. It's actually pretty good. He actually still sounds like Elton John because the recording of it's probably 25 years old. But eh, well, what does he care? Sorry, Jessica. Dump it. What about you, John? I Believe it or not, I actually like it. And uh, my wife is a huge Elton John fan. We went to go see him for her 40th birthday. I scored some tickets right at the last second. And uh, she loved the concert. So I wanted to hear what she thought of this. And she liked it, actually. I didn't like it at first. I was like, eh. And then it gets stuck in your head and you end up liking it. Maybe if you guys wait a couple of weeks. No. When you keep hearing it on. No? No. I don't even know what, what, what club am I supposed to be uh, listening or going to, to hear this song so I can dance. Club Rashad, apparently. Oh, there it is. You guys were listening to this song on, uh, on a Saturday night, uh, about 11.30, a couple of bo- bottles of wine in each. Baby, I'm about to make a sacrifice. <laughs> we're two hearts living in two separate worlds, baby. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's bring this back. I have a cold heart. Come warm it up. <laughs> Something's been hardened by you. <laughs> oh, we're sorry, Jessica. I'm sorry, Jill. I yeah, I don't know. If Jessica has anything to do with this. We we feel bad for your wife, John. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, that does it for rapid fire. <laughs> okay, I feel better now. Right now. I feel better already. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> Remember, this isn't our only show of the week this week. Yeah, we got more of this to come. <laughs> That's right, folks. This is the first time Manny's been right all night. We, we have another episode coming up on Friday. God bless us if you're still listening to hear who the guest is going to be or if you've skipped forward to this and are wondering what's going on. We're going to have OHL broadcaster Terry Doyle joining us on the OT on Friday. That's right. Remember to follow us on social media at Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram and for future considerations on Facebook. Or you can email us questions and topics and also suggestions for Pump It or Dump It at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. And don't be discouraged, Jessica or anyone else. Keep sending in those songs. We love to hear from you guys. If you've missed our previous episodes, our previous versions of Pump It or Dump It, go back and have a listen to some of our debates and some of our tomfoolery, as well as a few of the guests that we've had back in the different episodes, too. Yeah, check those out. And we wouldn't be anything without our sponsors. I'll tell you that much. London Awnings, quality that shows. Thank you to them, and thank you to Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition as he goes through his life. I haven't heard from Shane in a while. i got to check up on Shane. He always disappears, right? He does. He does. Funny enough, he always leaves us with something, but he's, he's <laughs> disappeared in the night. <laughs> he appears on our show, and no one's heard from him since. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone, for listening again, and we will talk to you later this week on the OT on the next edition of Four Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage, and the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.